Hi, thanks for joining us for the Tenda Track, our weekly World Match Previews podcast. Now I say we because I'm joined as always by my co-host, nine-year-old daughter, star of the show, Person New. Hello! She's got her own segment coming up this particular episode, plus she's added in a super secret message that the management, our editor and producer, is going to edit in at some point, unbeknownst to me, and plus she helps us on the countdown, of course. Me, I'm your humble host, Soccer Noob, newish to following the sport super closely, just as Person Noob is comparatively new to, well, being alive. We do many previews of the 10 most important, intriguing matches of the world, as we define them. Any country on earth, big or small, that's got leagues, we cover the most important matches from them. Usually uh, matches between the top two teams or other ones if it's particularly late in the season. National team tournaments, international club tournaments. You never know where we're going to end up. What I can tell you for certain is that this week we're covering matches from around the world from Friday, August 6th through Thursday, August 12th. With no further ado, let's jumpstart right in with... March number one! We keep things chronologically oriented. As always, we didn't have any qualifying Friday matches make the cut this particular week. So Saturday, and we're starting stateside here, match number one is a Major League Soccer match. A reminder, because it's a little bit different a lot of years, there's the two conferences, East and West. The top seven teams from each conference are going to go to the playoffs. The conference winners, each of them will get to start in the playoffs all the way at the semifinals. In terms of international berths for the CONCACAF Champions League, the two conference winners are going to get to make it automatically, as will the MLS Cup winner, that's the overall champion, winner of the playoffs, if you will, and the U.S. Open Cup, that's our FA Cup, we'll send all four of those. They're close to halfway through the season, and rather than looking at a couple of teams that are way, way up at the conference like we do every time to kind of mix things up a little bit, thought we'd look for our high drama a little bit lower in the table, so we give you... Number eight in the West, the Portland Timbers, taking on number seven, Real Salt Lake. So we're looking at teams that are right on that playoff line that we just talked about. RSL, they currently lead Portland by just two in the table. This is their first meeting this particular season. Over the course of their history, uh, Salt Lake has had the better of it. They've got a 12-9-8 record against Portland for a series lead. And if you're interested, you can catch this on ESPN Plus, 10.30 Eastern Time talk a little bit about Portland. I knew something of this tradition, but I learned a little bit more about it. I knew that at the end of a lot of games, uh, particularly home games, I believe that they saw off a piece of a large log and they call that a cookie. It's a really fun tradition. And what they do is they give those to the players. I used to think that it just went to a man in the match for Portland, but it goes to One cookie goes to every single player that scores a goal, so they can even get more than one, and the goalie can get one if he gets a clean sheet, which I also hadn't known. Now, we'll start talking about them internationally and kind of work our way down, so to speak. As far as the CONCACAF Champions League, in 2014 and 16, they made the round of 16. I believe those are the only two years that they ever appeared in that particular event. Domestically, they won the MLS overall title in 2015, and they were the playoff runners-up in 2018. Last year, had a really strong finish. They finished number three in the Western Conference, but they lost in the playoffs in the very first round, surprisingly. This year, based on the stats, I'd say they're a little bit lucky to be where they are. They've only got tied for the eighth-best offense, but they're even shakier on defense, ranking just number 11 in the, in the West. And then they've got the number 11 goal differential overall, which I think is the biggest indicator of all. I think 
The Timbers, surprisingly, are a team that are more likely to go down than up. Best all-around player that they've got, somebody you can look for if you're watching this match, Eric Williamson. Uh, He primarily plays central midfielder. He tends to be more defensively oriented. Uh, Pretty good player that he didn't make any appearances, but he did get to play very briefly for Santa Clara over in Portugal's top league, the Primeira Liga once. Other than that, he has spent his entire career here, and he's just 24 years old. Despite the fact that he's defensively oriented, he's a bit better of a passer than a tackler, to be perfectly honest, which might be part of the problem. Their current form, they have lost two in a row to admittedly fairly good teams, Minnesota and uh, LA Galaxy, but this is the unfortunate part for them. They have given up six goals between those two games, so the defense definitely needs to be shored up. And now, unfortunately, uh, we will talk about Real Salt Lake. Why unfortunately? Because I am no fan of them. Murica, Real, in Real Salt Lake, is Spanish for royal. Well, the original owner thought that, oh, that just sounds kind of cool. Let's make an affiliation unofficially with that sort of image. But there is no royalty in the U.S. We fought a little thing called the Revolutionary War to sort of get away from that. So as far as Noob is concerned, well, the name is an affront. Plus, I learned this week that their mascot is Leo the Lion. And while their official overall club nickname is not the Lions, the fact that they have any affiliation with the Lion pretty much bores me to tears because as you've heard me say on other podcasts, unless you're a new listener, well, it seems like every third team in the entire world is the Lions. But let's get back to the footy proper. In the CONCACAF Champions League, they were the runners-up in 2010. That was their best ever finish. They've only appeared two other times, and they haven't been there since 2015. Uh, They won the MLS Cup, the playoffs, and therefore overall title in 2009. Last year, just number 11 out in the West, and so they didn't make the playoffs. And in fact, that's the third time in the last six years that they failed to make the playoffs. This year, the stats actually look surprisingly promising for them. They've got got a top four offense tied for the second best defense in the league and appropriately a number three goal differential. So I think this is a team that eventually is bound to go up versus down. The problem is, or at least I think it's a problem, is that they've gotten lots of draws. Based on the stats, I think that they're just having trouble finishing some teams off. On the league scoring leaderboard, their star is Damir Krylak. I hope I'm getting the right, the last name correct, as he is Croatian. He's an attacking midfielder, a veteran, 32 years old. He spent a few seasons, the heart of his career, with uh, very impressively with Union Berlin over in the uh, Bundesliga in Germany. Also, another guy to look for, Aaron Herrera. He's tied for number three in assists in the entire league, and he's a defender, just 24 years old. As for their form, it looks a little bit better lately. They're 1-2-0 in their last three. Yeah, good, but not quite all-time great. As far as noob thoughts for this particular match, Portland sells out every single one of their matches, and they have for years. Maybe I'm a little biased against RSL, but despite their current forms, I believe that Portland are going to bounce back and get a win in this particular match. Go Timbers! Match number B. Thank you for reminding us, as always, daughter dearest, that number two, yuck, I even hate saying it, it's bathroom talk. We know what it means. New Bites, join the revolution that is number B instead of number you-know-what. In any case, our second match of the Tenda track, we stay stateside for an NWSL matchup between the number four Washington Spirit, and they're taking on number one Portland Thorns. Now, a reminder that the top six teams are going to make the playoffs out of the 10, and then the top two teams for the regular season, they get to advance straight through to the semifinals. 
Season's about halfway through. If you're so inclined, you can catch this on Paramount Plus. It'll be on at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time Saturday night. Uh, Portland in the table currently lead a couple of different teams by five points. Washington, this is the most important comparison to make here. They lead number seven Orlando just outside of the playoffs by only one point. There's a real log jam there. I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit here and say, uh, I'm a little bit proud of this because I am a noob, but uh, you know, watching games and keeping track of stats and doing different things. There used to be, until fairly recently, a big logjam up at the top, and Portland was in fourth place. But I thought, you know what, Portland's got that that super sweet goal differential that's so big. I'll bet you they're going to be number one before too long, and here they are. Now the logjam is more right around that playoff line. So this is even more important for Washington than it is Portland. And let's talk about Washington first. It seems like politicians can never agree on anything, but maybe their family members can. Fun fact, uh, Jenna Bush Hager and Chelsea Clinton are both minority owners in this particular team. As far as the footy, 2016, they were the runners-up in the league. That's their best-ever finish. Last year in their very abbreviated uh, Falls series part of the season, they finished in third place. This year, they're tied for number three on offense. Defense is a little bit of a bugaboo, to be honest. They're just uh, sixth ranked in that right now. And to be honest, uh, that number three on offense isn't as telling as one might think. There's a whole mess of teams that all are really, really very close statistically on offense. So all this said, I'm predicting that whether or not it starts with this particular match, I'll discuss that in a moment. I think the North Carolina and Houston from a little bit further down the table are going to overtake Washington before too long. And I think they're going to climb over the current number three team, Chicago. In any case, regarding the spirit players to look for tied for number one, a good woman of the match possibilities here is league leading scorer, Ashley Hatch. She started her career with the North Carolina courage, went on loan to Australia, uh, Melbourne city. And then she's been back here in Portland since 2018. Tied for number one on assists in the league, and there are actually a whole bunch of them, but it's still impressive, is Andy Sullivan. And a little trivia about her, she is married to Drew Scundrich of DC United over on the men's side. Their current form, they are 1-0-2 uh, in their last three, and they have allowed six goals over those three matches. So I said that defense was a bit of a bugaboo, and it really looks that way with that highlight. Now, Portland. Uh, first, something I just learned about them, although I guess this isn't the newest of news, their coach, Mark Parsons, is actually slated to become the Netherlands women's national team head coach. Uh, he'll officially take on that title right after the Olympics here, but uh, he is going to finish the season with Portland at the very least. If they've announced who their next coach is going to be, I haven't caught that yet. Uh, last year, they finished number one in that abbreviated fall series. They won the title also in 2013 and 17. The last two years, they've done pretty well as well as they've made the semifinals in both of those. And they even won the Supporter Shield in 2016. They had the best record in the league, even though they didn't happen to win the playoffs. This year, statistically, they are starting to look fantastic, like they could start to run away with the league. Number one offense, they're the only team scoring more than one and a half goals per match tied for the number one defense, and they've got uh, twice as good of a goal differential as anybody else in the league now. Top 10 league scorer, they spread it around, but the best one currently is Sophia Smith. Maybe a little bit surprising as she's just 20 years old. She was playing her college ball at Stanford just two years ago. They've also got the second best goalkeeper going. Uh, her name is Bella Bixby. She started her career with Portland, and then she went over to the Frauenbundesliga in Germany, their top flight for a year before coming back to uh, Portland Thorns again. 
their current form looking fantastic, three and zero in their last three, four one and zero in their last five, and over those last five, they've only conceded a single goal. Way to go, Bixby and company. As for my thoughts, uh, independent of the current form, I took a look at Washington's overall slate, and they tend to make what hay they do make against weak teams. So just another reason I think that they're going to fall and fall hard. So I think Portland are going to win this match handily. Match number three. We flipped the calendar to Sunday for match number three, but we're staying stateside, going back to the men's side of things, in fact, to MLS once again. Before we did the Western Conference for teams on that playoff cusp, this time we're going to look at the number six and number eight teams from the Eastern Conference, namely DC United at number six, playing host to number eight, Club de Foot Montreal, that used to be Montreal Impact. Kind of a cool change of name, a little awkward for me so far, but I think it's cool that they're going with something that uh, highlights their French heritage up there. You can catch the game on ESPN Plus at 8 o'clock Eastern, should you desire. As far as the table goes, DCU and Columbus Crew are tied for the last two playoff spots. And then uh, CDF Montreal, they only trail them by one. Now, since we fully mini-previewed the first MLS match for this podcast, let's use this as our semi-weekly opportunity to try and make some coin. For that, we need a surefire prediction before we potentially gamble responsibly. And who else would we turn to but in-house, on-contract prognosticator, roughly 3,500-year-old Noobstradamus, he who can see the universal infinite in ways we mere mortals can't. He will surely grace us with a vision. Take it away, mighty soothsayer. Greetings from the wind-swept Thracian plains of Greece. I'm surprised you waited two episodes to contact me again, after I'd gotten a match perfectly right. No matter. I sensed you'd call upon me for a vision regarding the match between DC United and Club de Foot Montreal. I've already downed a few of the loose prescription pills you sent me, and feel once again as if I'm traveling through space and time. Whee! My eyes open, and I feel very much not myself. I'm taking off in a jet fighter plane. Odd, given that I don't usually avail myself of modern travel modes more than need be. And I'm not pro-war. I'm pro-getting-high-and-seeing shit. The instincts of my disembodied avatar kick in, and in seconds I'm in the midst of a huge aerial battle. One that I gather was not going my side's way until just moments before. The ships upon which I'm firing look not familiar at all. Still, down they go in dizzying blazes. My readout indicates I have a payload of just one missile. I know it is my mission to take out the enemy's primary ship. Now I see it. What in the name of Neptune's trident is that? It's 15 miles wide. And a huge hole is opening on the underside energy of unimaginable force building within it. What kind of pills were in that bag you sent, noob? This is madness! The Avatar's adrenaline surges with a force unlike any I've ever known. I fire the missile at this clearly alien spacecraft, but nothing. I send my plane hurtling straight up. 
towards the opening and that energy. Inexplicably to me, I shout, Hello, boys! I'm back! Maniacally and suicidally, I crash into the blinding light. My last thought is that this already important day will be remembered by the whole world now. July 4th. Noob, DC United will win in a massive shootout of their own. Seven to four. I have seen, and so I speak. And if you ever mix in epinephrine with my meds again, I'll turn you into a newt. Right. You know, since we're the ones who on contract are sending this guy his weekly uh, bag of loose pills, as well as the soda stream tab that I hope he enjoys uh, every week, I feel like I'm in a position to call this one out. I'm not saying he's not on the Thracian plains of Greece. No reason to doubt his word there. But as far as what's affecting his visions, maybe it's the drugs, but I think that there must be a Motel 6 out there on the Thracian plains of Greece or some other uh, motel with a pretty decent cable package that he's staying at because that vision sounds more than suspiciously like he was seeing himself as Randall Case. Randy Quaid's character is the drunk crop duster who takes down the mothership near the end of uh, the Will Smith blockbuster from 1996, Independence Day, a movie I know well. Now, will the vision prove true? Time will tell. But rest assured, uh, old, old Damus out there on the plains, he knows which channel number is USA and TNT wherever he's staying. So again, gamble responsibly. Match number four. Another Sunday match, but this time we get to escape our own borders, log some frequent flyer miles as we head to the African country of Ghana for their FA Cup final. The winners of this event are guaranteed a berth in the Confederations Cup, which is their version of the Europa League, so the secondary international club tournament there. They haven't played this in a while. The 2018 and 2019 versions didn't get played because of the dissolution of the entire football association in Ghana. There is a huge uh, political scandal, a lot of referee and I believe other uh, bribery scandals associated with it. It was a very big multi-layered deal. And so they just had to tear everything down, start from scratch, which they were ready to do last year. But because of the pandemic, they also decided not to play the 2020 version either. As a side note, if something of an important one, the Premier League from Ghana, because both of these finalists are from the Premier League, is the 23rd ranked team, uh, uh, league rather, in Africa. And the reason that's important is only the league winner goes to the Champions League, and therefore only the FA Cup winner typically gets to go to the other tournament. They only get two international berths entirely. In any case, your matchup is Ashanti Gold taking on Heart of Oak, and uh, even though they're listed on paper as the visiting team, this is actually going to take place in the capital city of Accra in the stadium, which is Heart of Oaks home field. Now, uh, HOA, they won the Premier League this year. They're already going to the Champions League. They you know, still love to pull the double, of course. Important match for them. I believe what will happen, but take it with a grain of salt, if they win this game, I think uh, Ashanti Gold don't go just for getting to this final. I believe the berth then goes to the second-place team from the Premier League, which would be Asante Kotoko. So they'll really be rooting for Hearts of Oak. 
And believe it or not, even though Hearts of Oak won the league this year, Ashanti Gold had the better of things in the uh, Premier League season. They pulled off a 2-2 draw on the road and then beat them 1-0 at home. And so let's talk about them first. The on-paper uh, official home team, they are known as Ash Gold, sort of a portmanteau of their name, or the Miners. They play out of the city of Obawasi, which is in the state of Ashanti. It's, it's in the club name, of course. City of about, oh, 200,000. The Gold Coast region of Ghana, which is very famous, is named for precisely this area, this part of the state they're in, Ashanti. As far as the footy, internationally, the Champions League there in 1997, they had their best ever finish. They were the runners-up. Domestically, they've won three league titles, a couple in the 90s. That was sort of their halcyon days. But then they did win it again in 2015. They also won this event, the FA Cup, once, uh, but that was back in 1992-93. They've been runners-up twice, and the last time was just a decade ago. To advance to the final, they beat number nine from the Premier League season, Barracoon Chelsea. Uh, four to one really whooped them and added extra time. So they turned it on late in the semifinal. They finished in just ninth place in the Premier League. So they obviously need this to get any kind of international berth. It's a little bit of a mystery why they finished so low, too, because statistically they were excellent. They had the best offense in the league going. Plus, they had a number seven defense, not you know, not great, but certainly not bad in top half in a big league like Ghana's, and the number overall, uh, the number three overall goal differential. Uh, the deal was they had a lot of time, and this is the first time we've seen this, this podcast, they had a lot of draws, a little bit of trouble getting over the hump sometimes. Player to watch for, tied for number three in Premier League scoring there, was Hans Kwofi. Although, guess what? He's not with the team anymore. He signed a contract with Legion Cities, which is a different team in the Premier League. So now it might be a bit of a question as far as where they're going to get their offense from. As far as their last three matches in all competitions, a clean 1-1-1 one, one, and one skid or finish is what they're on. Meanwhile, Hearts of Oak, again, Accra, out of the capital. Cool nickname. They are the Phobia. We've talked about them before. Club that's over a century old. And this club must have really dropped in the African coefficients in recent years because there have been a lot of good teams I've been reading about. This team won the Continental Treble back in 2000. They won their league, the FA Cup, and the Champions League of all of Africa. Domestically, this is your historical power. 21 league titles in the modern Premier League era, to their credit, although they hadn't won one since the 2008-2009 season. And just as a fun side note, uh, they existed before a lot of these other teams ever did. Back in the colonial period when the league or leagues had different names in the 20s through 50s, they won eight more titles. They've also won this event, the FA Cup, the most times in the nation's history, 10 times, although none since 2000. To advance to this final, they beat the fifth best team at a little bit tougher road. They beat Mediyama three to nothing in the semifinal. As far as the Premier League, they had the third best offense, second best defense, number one goal differential. Very big indicator, as we've discussed before. Top 10 in league scoring for this team is Quadwo Obeng Jr., the name to look for. And then they statistically, they had tied for the number one goalkeeper in the whole league in Richard Atta. But their form the last three, they kind of got to skate to the finish. So they were only 0-2-1. They had the league fairly handily uh, wrapped up two or three weeks before it officially ended. Now, as far as my thoughts, these are two really, really strong teams. Obviously, Hearts of Oak had the better overall season, but I've, I'm of the opinion you can't just turn it off, you know, on and off Hearts of Oak. So I'm going to go for the mild upset here, uh, even though it's not in their stadium. And I think that uh, the miners of Ashanti Gold are going to come out on top for this event. Match number five. 
After an exciting weekend like that, you get Monday off from your official tracking. We flip the calendar to Tuesday this time, and we head to Europe. Match number five comes to us from the UEFA Champions League, the third qualifying round, and this is the second match of a two-legged tie, a home and away between each of the two teams, to determine who advances. As for who doesn't advance, they will drop, not as they usually would in years past, to the Europa League to a waiting slot, but this time you have the Europa Conference League, a tertiary one below the Europa League. The loser of this will drop all the way down to that. And the most intriguing matchup to us looked like Ludogorets Rosgrad out of Bulgaria versus Olympiakos out of Greece, as the first leg was a 1-1 draw. And these are two pretty evenly rated teams. We'll tr- talk a little bit about uh, Rosgrad first. They are known as the Eagles. Anything's better than Lions? I dig that a lot. Now, Rosgrad is in the northeast part of the country. Only got about 50,000 people. The other part of the name, uh, Ludogori, if I'm getting the pronunciation right, is the name of the region that the city is in. Now, the Bulgarian First League, their top flight, is ranked right in the middle, pretty much, of the UEFA rankings. That league is ranked number 27. The club, however, is really, really good and way up there. They're nearly in the top 50. In fact, they're tied with a couple of uh, prominent names you're more likely to be very familiar with. Marseille from League One and Milan from Italy's Serie A. To advance to this, they had started all the way back in the first qualifying round. They managed to beat uh, Shakhtar Soligarsk out of Belarus and Mura out of Slovenia to advance. They've got two Champions League group stage appearances to their credit in the past, most recently in uh, the 2016-17 version of this event. Domestically, 10 league titles they have won, and they've all been in a row, the last 10, in fact. Wow. And they won the league this year by nine points. Very impressive in the table over Locomotive uh, Plovdiv, if I'm getting that pronunciation right. Statistically, it's easy to see how they managed it. They had the uh, number one offense going by a ton, and they were scoring well over two goals per match average, and they had a top three defense to complement that. Number one league-leading scorer from there was Claudiu Casero from Romania, their veteran forward. He spent the biggest bigger, uh, yeah, the biggest part of his career with a couple of names. I'll probably also get wrong. Na and uh, Anja. It looks like Nantes and Anjas. I worked a little bit on my French a month ago for these, but I don't really remember. In any case, a lot of time in the top flight in France. That's the best way to say that, noob. Uh, number one in league assists is Kirill Despodov. Uh, he is a homegrown Bulgarian forward there and just 24 years old, despite Despite that, he did spend a couple seasons with uh, Cagliari over in Italy, Serie A, although mostly training. He uh, made very few appearances. As far as their form, uh, they have been hot, to say the least. They have not lost a match in any competition since late May this year. All right, Olympiakos, they are out of the town of uh, Preus, which is in the greater Athens area. The Super League in Greece is the number 18-ranked league in UEFA, so it's a little bit stronger league than Bulgaria's, and this is the number 35-ranked club in UEFA, so they've got an advantage on paper there. That puts them on par with teams like uh, Athletic Bilbao out of Spain and Wolfsburg out of uh, Germany's Bundesliga. They got to start this event in the second qualifying round, and they beat Azerbaijani team Nefci Baku to advance. Last year, they made the Champions League group stage, so they're looking like they want to do that again, of course. Uh, Let's see, they made the quarterfinals back in 1998-99. That was their best ever finish domestically. In Greece, you will often hear or read that there are the big three, and that might be true if you look far enough back, but this team, Olympiakos, has 46 league titles, and mind-bogglingly, if that's a word, 16 of the last 20. 
They won the last Super League by 16 over one of the other alleged big three, PAOK, by 24. They only lost two games in the regular season and in the championship round. Number one statistically by tons, more than two goals per match, and the number one defense. They landed exactly an average of one goal every other match. Number one league-leading scorer is theirs, and he scored almost twice as many as anybody else, Yusuf Al-Arabi. He's a striker from Morocco. Uh, European footy fans will know him as well from his time in La Liga. He spent a number of seasons with Granada in Spain. And the number one in league assist is homegrown player Costas Fortunas, an attacking midfielder. Now, I've been doing something new, uh, just kind of called noob thoughts here in my notes on who I think is going to win. I'm going to pull the noob card here. I don't have any idea who's going to win this thing, but if I can find an internet stream for it, I'm going to watch it because this might be the best game of the entire week anywhere. Ah, the person noob imitating our kitty sounder can only mean one thing. It's time to take a break from our tracking of the upcoming week's football matches and do what we purport to do, and that is namely track. Let's look at a recap of episodes 42's matches from last week. Match number one was a Friday match out of Ireland's Premier Division. Number one, Shamrock Rovers took on number B, St. Patrick's Athletic, and the result was a 3-1 win for Rovers. Uh, match number B came to us from the Malawi Super League in Africa, where we had number B, Nyasa Big Bullets, taking on number one, Silver Strikers, and it was Big Bullets coming out on top two to one. So they switched table positions. Silver uh, Strikers dropped to number B. Saturday, match number three, we stayed in Africa for the Angolese Girabola. Angola's number B, Pecho de Luanda, took on number one, Sagrada Esperanza in the last match of the season. High drama, and it was Sagrada. Sagrada Esperanza only needing a result of any kind, and they got the win, nil one, and that means they win the league title. Congratulations. Sunday match number four was CONCACAF's Gold Cup Final, our national team's championship, and it was the USA and Mexico, as you would expect, and America came out on top 1-0 for their second international trophy inside of a month in a final over Mexico, no less. Match number five was still a Sunday match, and we went to the Premier League of Brunei in Asia, where number one DPMM took on number B, Kasuka. DPMM came out on top 2-0, and that actually, based on other results, dropped Kasuka all the way down to fourth place. Tuesday's match number six, we went to UEFA for the Champions League third qualifying round. This was the first match of a home and away two-legged tie. Malmo from Sweden taking on Rangers from Scotland, and it was the Swedes coming out on top two to one. Rangers kept it interesting for the two-legged tie overall by getting their one goal in the 95th minute. They're right in the closing seconds, I guess. Match number seven, we went to South America's club championship the Copa Libertadores for a round of 16 match this was the second match of a two-legged tie Fluminense came in with a lead out of Brazil and were playing once again Cerro Porteño out of Paraguay and Fluminense went on to win 1-0 they win overall on aggregate 3-0 and will advance on to the next round Wednesday match number eight major league soccer Number one in the East, New England versus second best, Nashville. And the result, somewhat surprising, was a nil-nil draw. Despite Nashville earning a very tough point, based on other results at the time that I'm recording this, that dropped them all the way down to number four. Things might have changed over a day or two, of course. Match number nine came to us from the Premier League of Canada. Number B, Pacific FC, taking on number one, 
Valor FC, and it was Pacific defending their home turf with a 2-1 win. So these two teams switch places on the table. You have a number one, a new number one, rather, and a possible man-of-the-match candidate. Surely got that that we said to look for. Marco Bustos got the winner in the 87th minute for Pacific FC. Then Thursday gave us match number 10 from the CONCACAF League, the preliminary round. Uh, from Belize, we looked at Verdes FC playing host to out of Costa Rica, Santos de Guapales. No upset here. I was surprised it was even this close. In fact, I'll go enjoy Belize. Santos de Guapales came out on top 0-1. And then our bonus match was with explanations coming later. Your route of the week was a Thursday match out of Jordan's Premier League. And number one, Alweda took on... Number 12, last place, Albuca, and as we always predict, 5-0 or 0-5 results in this. Sure enough, all way dot one 5 nil. Go figure. Then the most meaningless match in the world, a Sunday match from Nigeria's Pro Football League, their top flight. It was number 10, Plateau United, and number 9, Dakota, or Dakota, and it was, scrolling down, Plateau United winning 2 to nil, and so meaninglessly, they switch positions. They're still in the middle. They're still not getting relegated or getting any kind of international break. Doesn't matter. And then the match of Disappointed was a Sunday match out of South Korea's K-League 1. Second to last place, number 11, Gwangju, took on very last place, Song Nam, and appropriately, as we also always predict, it was a nil-nil draw. That concludes your recap from last week. Let's dive right back into the current week's match tracking with Match number six. This is another Tuesday match coming to us from the CONCACAF League. It's their preliminary round, and it is the second match of the two-legged tie, or would be. Explanation coming momentarily. First about the tournament, this wasn't going to be a CONCACAF Champions League match. A reminder that this is the CONCACAF League. There's a whole separate feeder tournament to the CONCACAF Champions League that involves a lot of the best teams from uh, the Caribbean nations that are members of CONCACAF, as well as the Central American teams. The match was supposed to be uh, Universitario out of Panama hosting uh, Samaritain out of Martinique. I had seen that the score was uh, went nil three in the first match in favor of Universitario, but what I had not realized is that score is specific when there's something called a walkover. Apparently, Samaritain was uh, disqualified or far more than likely given the panic, uh, the pandemic rather, withdrew. They did not, they chose to withdraw from the event fairly late. And so Universitario from Panama get a 3-0 walkover. Therefore, they will face Matagua in the round of 16. That is one of the powerhouses out of Honduras. Match number seven. We move onward to Wednesday and over to CONMEBOL. That's South America's association where they are having their Champions League, although they call it the Copa Libertadores. It's the round of 16. This match is going to be the first match of a two-legged tie, home and away. And boy, I almost hate that I said that other one was going to be probably like the match of the week because I could easily say the same thing about this one. Number one rated in CONMEBOL, Argentinian side River Plate taking on my favorites to win the Copa Libertadores, Atletico Mineiro. Uh, this game's going to be on BN Sports. If your cable package runs deeply enough, you can find it kicking off at 8.30 Eastern time. The winner's going to get to e uh, play one of two Brazilian sides, either Sao Paulo or Palmeiras. First, River Plata. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm being a little bit bold saying Atletico Mineiro is my favorite to win the tournament when here they are in the round of 16 already having to play the number one team in all of South America, but we'll see how it goes. 
uh, Plata, they say they play out of the barrio of Nunez in the greater Buenos Aires area. That area is in the north part, right? About 50,000 people. Fun fact about their club, a lot of different clubs offer a lot more than uh, just football. A lot in different parts of the world will offer basketball, of course. And then there's any number of other, sometimes small and strange ones. I can imagine what this is, but I'd never heard it phrased before. This club offers artistic roller skating for their club members. Fascinating to me. Maybe I can Google it up on the YouTube or something. In any case, uh, to advance to uh, this round, they beat Argentinos Juniors three to nothing on aggregate. They've won the Champions League title four different times, including 2015 and 18. I'm feeling less and less good about my Atletico Monero pick. <laughs> They've won uh, Argentina's, by the way, uh, their league is the second best league in all of South America. And River Plate have won it 36 times, although they haven't pulled off a title in either stage since 2014. In fact, they qualified for this Champions League. They didn't win either of last year's two stages like most uh, Southern or Latin American countries. They have uh, two different events throughout their soccer year, but they did have the best record of the non-champions. So they got the third berth out of Argentina. In the group stage, they went two, three, and one. They finished in second place behind Brazilian side Fluminense. And it was the offense that was a little bit troubling to me. They just went seven and seven on goal differential. That's decent on the defense, but a team with Plate's resume has got to score more. It's very early in the current stage down there, the premier the Primera division, but they are in fourth place and they have the number one goal differential going. On aggregate for the year, they had a bit of a, a lesser first stage. So on aggregate, they're only about number five. Tied for number three in league scoring on the year is Nicolas de la Cruz. He is an attacking midfielder, only 24 years old, yet he's already got nine national team caps. Rumor is Manchester United is about to scoop him up for some amount in the range of uh, 20 million euros. Uh, tied for number one on assists is Matias Suarez, their veteran forward, who spent eight seasons with one of the behemoths in Belgium, Anderlecht. Their current form, they are 4-1-0 in their last five. Now, as far as my team, Atletico Monairo, the uh, they are known as the Rooster. Not Rooster, it's just one. Interesting. Uh, they play out of the city of Belo uh, Horizonte, which translates to Beautiful Horizon, and it is a gorgeous city. I did Google up some of the pictures. The whole city is basically built on smaller hills that are surrounded by mountains all the way around. It is the sixth biggest city in the country. The greater metro area has about 6 million people in it. It's in the east, southeast part of the country. It's the capital of a state called uh, Minas Gerais, which I have a hard time not making sound French, but obviously it's probably Portuguese. This is the number 19 rated club in Conmebol. They won the Champions League in 2013. Last year, they only made it to the group stage. Their only league title, believe it or not, was all the way back in 1971. The Brazilian league's always got like 20 teams. It is a hard one to win. They qualified by finishing in third place in uh, last year's Brazilian Serie A in the group stage. And this is what had really caught my eye and has made them my favorite. They went 5-1-0 in the group stage with a 15-3 goal differential. That defense travels, and it was really impressive. Uh, they got, In fact, they got to this round by advancing over Boca Juniors out of Argentina. Both of the home and away matches went uh, went nil-nil, and then they won it on uh, penalty kicks one to three. 
Currently, I think a little bit over halfway through Brazil's top flight, they are in second place in the league right now. They've got a top five offense and then the number one defense going. They've conceded just 10 goals in 14 matches. Because of that, they've got the third best goal differential. They are able to muster some offense. It will most likely be at the feet of a veteran who is singularly monikered as Hulk. And uh, fans around the world will know him, not just because of the cool nickname, but he's played everywhere. Uh, Porto over in the Primeira Liga in Portugal. He was with Zenit, uh, the Russian Premier League, and even SIPG fairly recently over in China. And he played for the national team from 2009 through 16. But the goalkeeper, that's where their bread gets butter. They've got the best one in the league, the singularly named Everson. As far as their form... Uh, they had played 10 straight matches with no losses until their most recent match. They lost a fairly lowly club called Bahia in the FA Cup. Now, as far as my thoughts on who's going to win this, I'm sticking with Monairo and not just for pride's sake. But uh, I've been seeing this with a number of South American teams, the very, very good ones. I don't think they're investing in the FA Cup. I, I saw one of the best Brazilian teams lose to a third-tier club. So I'm just riding that loss off, and I think that the game is going to go the way of red-hot Atletico Monairo. Match number eight. The remaining three matches, 8 through 10, surprisingly, because it rarely happens this way for this podcast, everything's usually oriented around the weekend, these last three are all Thursday matches. Things have been really spaced out for a change. In any case, match number 8, we're heading back to Europe for the Europa Conference League. That's that tertiary international club tournament below both the Europa League and the Champions League that I mentioned earlier. It is the third qualifying round, which means just two more wins to go. For teams to hit the event proper or the group stage, this is the second match of the two-legged tie between the most intriguing match to us looked like, Hapoel Beersheva out of Israel versus Schlausk Wrocław out of Poland. And it only took me 26 tries to get that get my Polish even remotely decent there. So yay noob. <laughs> In any case, it was Schlausk that won the first leg 1-2. to two. So now it's time to see if Beersheva can come back. First, we'll talk a little bit about Beersheba. That is the name of the city that they are from, and it is the largest city in the southern part of the country, which is largely taken up by the Negev Desert. It's the fourth biggest city in the country. I like looking at etymologies. Uh, the name of the city, it could mean well of the oath, or it could mean seven wells, if the etymology is truly uh, Hebrew in origin. If it's uh, more from the Arabic, it could mean or could also mean or refer to uh, well of the Lion. Other fun fact about this place, and this one really surprised me. I just had no idea about Israel in general when it came to this, but I gather that it's sort of a Jewish diaspora coming back over the decades, particularly from Russia. There are more chess grandmasters in this city than there are anywhere else in the world, at the very least per capita. So I thought that was cool and impressive. Anyway, back to the footy. The Israeli Premier League is the number 23 UEFA-ranked league. They advanced to this match by walloping Bulgarian side Arda 6-0 on aggregate. They've never been to a Champions League group stage. They have been to the round of 32, I believe, more than once in the Europa League. That's the best they've done there. Domestically, five league titles, and three of them were from 2015 through 18. So they've been very good in recent years. They qualified for this event by finishing in fourth place last season. They have the number four offense going. The defense was more suspect. They were tied for just ninth best in that particular category, though that's mitigated by the fact, I think, that they play a lot of matches 
against just the top and bottom half as the season goes on. They split into championship round and relegation round. So the competition really gets tougher. In any case, top 10 league score for them was, uh, I believe it's uh, Josue or Josue out of Portugal, J-O-S-U-E with the accent mark at the end. But it was the end of his time, at least for now there. He went to Legia Warsaw, signed a contract with a Polish team in June. So their next best league score, and who's really going to have to pick up the slack, is Sagiv Yeheskel. He came over from FC Ashdod of the Israeli Premier League uh, just last February. Meanwhile, Schlausk, they are out of the city of uh, Wrocław, which is about one and a quarter million. It's in the southwest region of uh, Silesia. This town, I had no idea about it, is really packed with university students, over 130,000, about 11% of the population. The Extra Klasse is the 29th ranked league in all of UEFA. They qualified, just like their opponents today, with a fourth, league, fourth place finish in their league last year. They've made a lot of international appearances in recent years, both Champions League and Europa League, but they've never managed to get past the qualifying rounds. Domestically, only two league titles to their credit ever. The last one was a decade ago. Last year, had some trouble scoring, tied for only the 10th best offense, but the defense was spectacular, a top four defense and a number five goal differential overall. Top 10 league scorer who's going to have to be the one who maybe gets all of them for them considering how they struggled is Eric Exposito. And their form, uh, all the matches that they played over the summer, they were 5-2-0. and oh. As for the noob thoughts on this particular one, it's hard for me to pick a bear Sheva on this one, even though they're at home for the second leg. They're down a goal. They're, they're down their league score, having lost him a couple months ago. So I am going to go with Schlausk, no matter how hard it is for me to say. Bill plays Minecraft. Bill likes soccer. Bill does not bully people who don't like soccer. And don't play Minecraft. Be like Bill. That is quite the jingle. I love it. Good job, person noob. So, I've made us a sandwich. I've cut it in half. Let's take a bite. You go first. Or do you want to tell the people what on earth we're doing first? I mean, I don't know. Person noob sandwich review. We're reviewing a sandwich that my dad made. We're what, reviewing. What? Yeah, it's got a B, just like Soccer Noob. We review, but Person that's noob. right. How does the sandwich look? Looks like I give it a 5 out of 10. Now, I'm not allowed to look at this because I'm going to try and guess what's inside. No, okay. I mean, it's not... We've done weird sandwiches toasted? before, but this one's pretty normal. I, I try to make a good sandwich. Is this toasted? No, it's not toasted, but I did warm it up. For reasons that will soon make themselves clear. You try to make a quesadilla. What's up? You tried to make a quesadilla. No. Hmm. So what do you think's on it? Do you recognize it? Meat and cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mom made a really good roast beef. I uh, warmed it up and tried to slice it up. The, the slicing didn't go real well, to be perfectly honest, <laughs> with it being a roast. But, uh, yeah, and then it's on uh, whole wheat bread, as you can see. You like the cheese? With the bread, yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah, that's a provolone cheese. I didn't use the regular like craft or whatever sandwich cheese that we have. I used a sliced provolone. Now, why didn't you? Now, why did you toast it? I warmed it up so I could melt the cheese on it. Makes sense. I didn't toast it. It's still really soft. So, and have you gotten any of the mustard yet? 
No. Here, have a bite of mine. That's not the regular uh, yellow mustard. Have you had that one before? Mm -hmm. That's the Dijon mustard. Mm. You like that mustard or the yellow mustard better? I like the yellow mustard. I mean, they're both yellow colored. Okay. But... Is there anything else in particular you would like to say about the sandwich? It might not be a 10 out of 10, but it's a sandwich good enough for person to be sandwich review. Match number nine. And we're back stateside for a semifinal in the CONCACAF Champions League. This is the first match of a home-and-away two-legged tie between Club America out of Mexico, Liga MX, versus MLS's Philadelphia Union. You can catch this on the tube, Fox Sports 1, 10 p.m. Eastern time on the Thursday. The winner is going to get to go to the final, of course. There they will either face Liga MX's Monterey or Cruz Azul. And the winner will also represent our federation, this part of the world in the FIFA Club World Cup. First, Club America. They are the Eagles, one of the clubs playing out of Mexico City. They qualified for this event by being the runner-up of the opening of the two stages in the soccer year, the Apertura in 2019. They advanced to this stage by beating the aforementioned Portland Timbers 4-2 on aggregate. Domestically, just outrageous. They've got the most league titles in history down there. 13 most recent title was the 2018 Apertura stage. Even more impressively, seven CONCACAF Champions League titles. How can this not be your favorite? That is the most in the history of the event. And that includes their wins in 2014-15 and the 15-16 iteration. Now, as far as their league play for statistics to see what how they're, uh, what they look like overall for a profile, the most recently completed stage was the 2020-2021 uh, Clausura or closing stage. They finished in second place, had tied for the best offense of the league at one and a half goals per match, a top four defense. Wow. League scoring leaderboard, Henry Martin. But the player I want you to look for if you watch this one is a young fella out of Uruguay. They uh, tend to, for uh, events like this, I think rotate through a few younger guys. Federico Vinyas, again, Uruguayan four, just 23 years old, tied for number three in event scoring. As far as their current form, they have a little bit of a break between their stages. They're two games into the 2021-22 opening or Apertura stage, and America is one and one when it comes to that. Now, Philadelphia, they qualified for this event by winning the Supporter Shield, or in other words, having the best overall record from the 2020 MLS season. They advanced to this round by, uh, well, over a team that's been struggling a lot the last year and a half, Atlanta United. They were they looked to be the standard bearers of the league for a while and have fallen on very hard times the last 36 months. They lost to Philly 4-1 to on aggregate. Currently, the Union are the third best team in the East, uh, top six offense, top three defense, and then number four overall goal differential. So pretty well balanced. Their stars, uh, it starts on the defensive end for them. Second best statistical goalkeeper. He's Jamaican and he's been there forever. Andre Blake. He's even got 45 national team caps, a veteran you can rely on. Their best all-around player outside of that, I would argue, is a Dutch-born player who actually reps for uh, uh, Cape Verde. That country plays central attacking midfielder. Look out for uh, Hamiro or Hamiro Montairo. He's got two goals and four assists, sort of a box-to-box -box player, although he's a little bit limited defensively, to be honest. Very quality passer. He spent some time over in League 1 and League 2 with Mets. They're kind of a yo-yo team over in France. 
The event leading scorer is Kasper Przbilko, their Polish star striker. And uh, he's got an impressive resume as well. He's played for a variety of German teams over in the top Bundesliga and the second tier league there as well. As far as my thoughts on this, you might have noticed one particular thing. I didn't talk about Philadelphia's international resume. They don't have one, and they're up against America, and it's at Club America to start off. Philadelphia better get a draw out of this. Otherwise, they've got no shot once they go uh, go down to Mexico. My money would all be on America for this one. Sorry, Union fans. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. You know, daughter dearest, person who words hurt sometimes. Finally. My goodness. Well, I've been enjoying myself, and I hope that you all have as well. Let's get on to the final match of the tender track, at least the official one. We still have our three super fun bonus matches to go, so ha-ha, person, we won't be done. We've talked about the European Champions League, and we've gone down two levels to the European Conference League this time, or the Europa Conference League. This time we're going to talk about the one in the middle, the good old-fashioned Europa League. It is also in its third qualifying round. The losers of this particular match are going to drop down to the Europa Conference League's playoff round. The winners will advance to meet one of the uh, really good Turkish teams, uh, Fenerbahce. And the match, I picked this one because the first leg was a really high-scoring one. Uh, HJK out of Finland, and they're going to take on FK Nefci out of Azerbaijan. Uh, the first leg of this, uh, first match of this two-legged tie was a 2-2 draw. We'll talk first about the home, home team, HJK. They play out of Helsinki. That's the H. Uh, most of its history, if you like your club's kind of blue collar, this isn't for you. Uh, it really, the history is uh, that of a very uh, prosperous fan base, an upper, upper middle class club. Not so much true the last maybe decade or so, but that's the history of it. In any case, the league, it's one of the uh, European Northern Leagues, which don't tend to do very well overall. Uh, the summer leagues. It's just the number 43 UEFA ranked league. That's the Vikas Liga. This club is not quite in the top 200 rated by UEFA amongst all clubs. They fell to this event by losing in the Champions League to their Swedish neighbors club uh, Malmö 4-3 on aggregate. That was a really good home and home or home and away rather. In any case, as far as their international resume, the Champions League group stage, they made that once, 1998-1999. 2014-15, ironically, is the only time they've ever gotten to the group stage of even the Europa League, though. Domestically, however, there is none like them. 30 league titles. They're about halfway through the current season now. Best offense going, number one defense. The defense is even better. They only let in a goal every other match on average. Uh, the scoring, tied for second best in that category in their country, is Philip Valenkic. He is a Slovenian attacking midfielder. Their current form's a little wonky, if you will. Uh, no wins, three draws, and no losses. Meanwhile, out of Azerbaijan, Nefji Baku, the oil workers, Baku is the capital city. Uh, they fell down to this event from the Champions League. They lost 0-2 on aggregate to Olympiakos that we talked about earlier. Their league is the much stronger one of the two represented in this match. Azerbaijani Premier League is ranked number 26, so just above average in all of UEFA. Uh, they had a very tough league race last year. They beat the favorites, Karabag, by two. Statistically, Karabag were much better, particularly on offense, but somehow they ended up with a ton of draws, and that cost them the league title. 
As far as this team's international resume in 2012-13, they were the first team out of Azerbaijan to ever make the group stage that was in the Europa League. Nine league titles to their credit domestically. Uh, this last one is their first since a run that they had in the early 2010s. Really well balanced, second best offense and defense last year in the league. And they had the number one league scorer. Namek Alaskarov, an attacking midfielder who actually used to play for Karabag, and he has 25 national national team caps to his credit. Their form isn't real great either of late, just 0-1 and 2. So as far as the noob thoughts on this one, uh, despite being on the road here for the second leg, I just think that Nefshi Baku, even on the road, are going to be too strong. It's just a different caliber of player that they have in Europe compared to the uh, compared to the Scandinavian teams. And if you look at those losses to Olympiacos, they only lost nil one, nil one against really what on paper was superior competition. So I think Nefshi are going to pull this out and maybe even pretty easily, despite the draw in the first match of the two-legged tie. The 10 are done, but not our fun. It's bonus match time. And one of the reasons this is my favorite part of the podcast is because you get to help decide what three matches make this part of the show each and every week. All you've got to do is find me on Twitter, Soccer Noob USA. Don't forget the USA when you're looking for me, please. Monday or usually Tuesday, I post the polls for the candidate matches. You vote and the magic content happens. Uh, quite frankly, it's dreamy. Now, the first winning match this week, per your voting, is a first versus last place matchup that we like to call... Route, 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 of, 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 the week, 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 week. And this is a Saturday match. And we're headed to South America once again, this time to the Bolivian Primera Division. Of the 10 league associations down there in South America, this isn't one of the strongest. It's probably the eighth best, but we like to look everywhere. That's part of the fun. Also, something interesting going on there. I mentioned earlier in the podcast that uh, most Latin American countries play two stages each and every year, an apertura or opening stage and a clausura or closing stage. This year, Bolivia is doing something different because of the pandemic and some of their teams that are involved in international competitions. They're only going to play one sort of regular league, just like Europe or America or most of the rest of the world. It's going to be slightly condensed. It's not going to be a full like 36 or 38 matches, but they're just going to play one season basically for the year instead of two. They're almost halfway through the first round, Robin, of the season right now. One team's going to get relegated, the last place team. One team's going to have to fight for their Premier Division lives by winning a relegation playoff match. This league will get three Champions League berths and four Copa Sudamericana. That is the second place uh, international or secondary international tournament down there. In any case, your matchup is last place woeful San Jose taking on the power of the league right now, a club simply called the strongest. Yeah. Sort of weird, but there's a lot of them like that down, down there in Bolivia and in South America. I dig stuff that's different. In any case, the strongest currently lead Oriente Petrolero by seven in the table. So they're not quite running away with it exactly, but the strongest is aptly named, particularly this year. Meanwhile, on the other end of the spectrum, San Jose trail Real Potosi by nine in the table. And then the tr team that is truly their mark for safety, they're behind number 23. How is that even possible this early in the season? There's a special circumstance. You'll find out why soon. 
the strongest lead the series, I believe, all time, or at least in recent years, 16, 12, and 10. First, we'll talk about your roadkill in waiting, San Jose. They are known as the Saint, singular, or the minor team. They play out of a city of called Oruro, which is in the west central part of the country, about 400,000 people. That makes it the fifth biggest metro area in all of the country. This is very much a boomer bust mining town. Currently, they do a lot of tan and a lot of tungsten. In any case, as far as the footy, this team always hasn't always been so woeful. They've made it to the Champions League before. And in fact, they made uh, in 1996, they got to the round of 16. That said, they haven't made any appearances there since 2015. They've also got four league titles to their credit. In fact, one of those was as recently as 2018. They won the Clausura stage. Uh, the 2020 Clausura stage, the last full stage or season that they played, their uh, downfall had already very much started. They finished in 14th place. As far as this year, now this is the special circumstance. How many points do they have in the table? Well, they're 0 0 and 13 on the year. And by the way, that also comes with a three goals for 45 goals against goal differential. No forfeits in there, I don't think. They played them all, believe it or not. They have negative nine points in the table. Negative. How is that even possible? Well, not only have they not earned a win or a draw, but they got deducted three and six points respectively, for failures to pay in the past debts to one particular player and one particular manager. So just talk about your salt on the wound. I suppose the one player that they might be able to count on or at least looks interesting because he's a defender, they've got a guy named Pedro Moraira. He's got a goal. I couldn't really find much else out from a player's standpoint for them. It just does not look good this year. And it's not going to, even at home today, it's not likely to look good as they take on the strongest. Interestingly, when this club was founded, the name was uh, the Strong Football Club. And apparently, they started to think even more of themselves, and now they are the strongest. But hey, they're number one. Who can argue with them? They're also known as the Tiger or La Tigre. Uh, they play out of the city of La Paz, a big metro area, number three in size in the country. They have never made it past the second round of the Champions League. Uh, they managed that most recently in 2014. Domestically, a lot more success, as you might imagine. Twelve league titles in the modern uh, Primera Division era, including a sweep of all the stages from 2017 through 19. So six of their titles came in that streak. As far as the 2020 Clausura, they finished in second place. Number one offense by a lot is what they've got going right now. They score over two and a half goals per match, top three defense, as you would imagine with that kind of offense. Number one goal differential overall. Uh, tied for second place in league scoring, uh, theirs to be proud of is Jair Reynoso, veteran striker. And wow, if you're an American footy fan and you recognized his name, bravo to you. He made 10 appearances for Indy 11, which I believe currently plays in the USL Championship. Back in 2016, when this guy was there, it was still a co-second tier league called the NASL that Indy 11 played in. This team's current form, uh, they have won their last three matches. Noob thoughts on this? I remain constant, if nothing else. Noobites, I always pick the score to be 5-0 or 0-5 in favor of the favorites. I'm picking no differently this time. I think it will be a 0-5 victory for the strongest. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> ah, yes, the sounds of Persanub and I ripping off a Prince classic. That means it's time to look at two teams that are pretty much in the middle of their league tables. 
perfectly equidistant from playoffs or international tournament berths on the one hand or relegation or last place on the other end of the spectrum. Yes, it's a match that don't mean a darn thing, probably the most meaningless match in the world. And the one you have voted for is a Tuesday match from the USL Championship here stateside. That is the second division in American soccer. They're almost halfway through the season. A reminder that uh, there are four, two conferences, four divisions. The top four teams from each division are going to get to go to the playoffs. Probably not these guys, though, but neither will they are they likely to finish in last place, hence the meaninglessness. Number seven, New York Red Bulls 2, the Red Bulls reserve side versus Charlotte Independents, who are in sixth place in their 18 division. You can catch this if you desire on ESPN Plus at 7 o'clock Eastern time on Tuesday. Number six, Charlotte, currently lead Red Bulls two by six. More importantly, perhaps they trail number four, Hartford Athletic, by five, and that's the playoff line there. Meanwhile, Red Bulls two, they lead last place Loudoun United by seven. So while they're not likely to uh, get a sniff of the playoffs, probably Loudoun United out of Virginia has a pretty strong hold on last place in the division. As far as I believe the all-time series, Red Bulls 2 lead it with a 6-3-3 record over Charlotte, and Red Bulls 2 won their first game this season on the road for them, a 2-3 win. And we'll talk about the Red Bulls reserve side first. Uh, Just as their parent MLS team does, they play in Harrison, New Jersey. That's a suburb of Newark. Uh, The club was founded only six years ago. In 2016, though, they actually won the USL Cup and had the best record overall, so they got the championship and the Supporter Shield. Last year, however, they finished only in 14th place in the Eastern Conference out of, I believe, the 16 teams. This year, overall in the Eastern Conference, they are second to last, number 15. The offense, part of the reason for that, as you might imagine, tied for number 10 in that category, but the defense has been just horrendous. Number 15, they give up over two goals per match, and thusly they have the second-worst goal differential in the entire Eastern Conference. Their best all-around player is only 18 years old. He's a central defensive midfielder named Daniel Edelman. Pretty good tackler, but he's a great dribbler, works very well in open space, and he's earned an assist on the year. Uh, Their current form, uh, kind of shabby. They're 0-1-2 in their last three, and they've conceded eight goals over that stretch. So, What can Charlotte do in the most meaningless match of the world? They were also founded six years ago, and they were named for a document allegedly called the Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence, which was supposedly created a year before when this area declared independence from Great Britain. As the story goes, uh, a man named uh, Captain James Jack reportedly carried it all the way to Philadelphia, where it basically became a model for the actual Declaration of Independence. There is no extant information that this document in and of itself exists. There was a similar document that had some ideas on it. The name, I forget about it. It's much more likely that it existed. But anyway, it's meaningless probably because it probably didn't really exist. So how perfect for this match for that little fun fact. In any case, the footy. Last year, they finished number six and made the quarterfinals of the playoffs, actually. This year, they are number eight in the Eastern Conference overall, but that doesn't mean just because of their top half they make the playoffs. they got to be the top half in their division. Uh, not real likely. They've only got the tied for the 10th best offense, just like Red Bulls 2, tied for the 6th best defense. On the scoring leaderboard for them is a Jamaican a veteran, 30 years old, named Dan Kelly. Interestingly, he played part of this year. He signed for the beginning of the year with an Israeli Premier League team, Benai Saknin, 
but then he only played, I guess, for them for like several weeks. Then he came right back to Charlotte again, but it wasn't alone. He came back on a new contract. I don't know what happened over there. Must not have been good. He's also got three national team caps with the Jamaican team. And then tied for second best statistically in goalkeeping is Brandon Miller, another veteran, uh, 31 years old. He's played for a variety of teams in the United States. None of them in the MLS, though, always second or third division. As far as this their form, they had been on a really terrible streak, 0-4-1, until their last game. They beat perhaps the league's best team at home, at their home anyway, uh, the Tampa Bay Rowdies. So I think that's really something they can hang their hat on. And partially because of that and because defense travels, my noob thoughts for this particular match, even though it's meaningless, is that Charlotte are going to go on the road and earn a point with a draw. And now at last, we come to the true end of our podcast episode with one match to go. As always, we don't end by celebrating one more set of successful teams. Oh, no. Let the wailing and gnashing of teeth begin. In fact, let there be naught but scorn for these two sad sack bottom-feeding teams at the very bottom of their league table. This is the match of... Disappointed! And appropriately, it's a Monday match. The one you have voted for comes out of the Kyrgyzstan Premier League. We're headed to Asia for the first time this podcast. It's maybe the best thing we can say about these two teams. Hey, at least you took us to a different confederation we hadn't been for. Thanks a bunch. How about improving your soccer? Now, this league isn't that strong to begin with. It's only ranked number three in the AFC. That's the Asian Football Confederation out of their 46. That puts them in the vicinity of uh, some small uh, countries or regionalities like Kuwait and Macau. The winners of this league do get to go on to the secondary Asian tournament, the AFC Cup group stage. That's not really going to come into play for these two losers. They're just over halfway through the season, and (laughs) the one thing that they have going for them there's no relegation from this league. They get to come back and probably get their butt stumped all over again collectively next season. Your matchup is number eight in last place, Kara Balta versus number seven, Elbers Bishkek. Now, uh, Kara Balta have had the better of it this season. They won. Uh, they got a 1-1 draw. Or no, I'm sorry. I have that wrong. Elbers Bishkek. They won 4-1 at home and then got a 1-1 draw on the road. The table. Elbers currently Carabalta by one, so the battle for last place is on. Hey, uh, that team also trails number six, Nefchi, by seven. So there's not much chance last place is going to be occupied by any but either of these two losers. Let's talk about Carabalta first, the home team. You know, it's a pretty cool name. It translates directly to Black Axe. How about using that for like a mascot or in your crest? Instead, they just use their city seal. In any case, uh, this city of the same name is about 40 miles west of the capital city of Bishkek, which is in the north central part of the country. They've got maybe 50,000 people. Big thing in there economically, it's not really mining, but they've got a big mining processing plant. Uh, during Soviet times, because this, is, of course, was one of the Soviet bloc countries, uh, it used to get used to process uranium. Uh, since then, now it gets used more for uh, gold and uh, molybdenum, if I'm getting that right. Club was founded in 1992. Now, the crest, I made a little bit of fun because they don't include a black axe, but it is actually this city seal. It's one of the prettiest crests I've ever seen. It's green, gold, and red, and uh, it's got stylized mountain and kind of like gold uh, rays or streams bursting forth from it all over the place. It's really very cool. You should Google it up. 
As far as the team, at least in the last five years, which is all I could find quick record of, they haven't had a top top half finish in this league. Their only success that I could find any record of was in 2018. They made the FA Cup semifinals. Last year, they were in second to last place in this league, number seven. This year, just one lowly little win against three draws and 12 losses for league worst, negative 20 goal differential. They've got tied for the worst offense. They only get a goal uh, three times every four games on average. And the worst defense, woof, almost two and a half goals a game. As for their current form, as you might imagine, they've lost three straight. Uh, right before that was when they'd gotten their only win against number five, uh, Kaganat. Now, Ilbers Bishkek, obviously they play out of the capital, Bishkek. They were founded three years ago, but you know what? Just because you're fairly new doesn't give you an excuse to stink. I'm new, but I try not to stink. And no, don't find me on Twitter and tell me that I'm failing at that. That would be rude, even if accurate. I have no idea. In any case, last year they made the FA Cup quarterfinals, so a little bit of success on their side. Try to hang their hats on that. This year, they're 2 1 and 12, you know, second to last place. What can you say about it? 12 goals for. 32 goals against. Neither of these teams is going to climb out of the cellar. That's tied for worst offense, and then they've got uh, the second-to-worst uh, defense. Their current form, 1-1-1 one, one, and one in their last three, and that win came against uh, number six, Nefchi. My thoughts on this game, as I've often done before, I dare not pick anything but a nil-nil draw for the match of Disappointed. Why? Because this is what rightness and righteousness Call for nil-nil for the match of Disappointed. And rather than wish them luck, let's give these miserable turnips of teams a proper send-off. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo. And yeah, that's how we... Now, hold on just a second. Did I call those teams turnips? I mean, it's nobody's favorite vegetable, but I mean, it's a, it's a hearty tuber. What's wrong with a turnip? wonder what word I was trying to think of. Well, anyway, and yeah, that is how we end things here on the Tend to Track Weekly World Match Previews podcast. Thanks so much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wonders. To Dan, my former interno inferno for all his creative aspects and inspiration. To my dear daughter, Person Noob, of course. Love you so much and love doing this show with you. And to you, dear listener, thanks so much for finding us. I know there's a lot of shows out there. This one's got a lot of unique and interesting information and a little bit of odd humor, and I hope you've enjoyed every bit of it. It's a great change of bite change of pace podcast from what I've been told. If you listen to a lot of other stuff and I hope you will share it with your footy minded friends. In any case, until next time, I hope you have a fabulous footy week. Take care. Hey.